thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, leading publishers of books, directories, educational guides and magazines aimed at schools in the UK and beyond. Enjoy the podcast. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio for The Late Show. And of course, we have a packed show this evening talking all things GTP. And it's been incredible to see the sort of reaction to the show, um, but more notably the reaction to the software itself and what it can actually do. Um, I'm going to be joined by a number of guests this evening to talk about their experience of using this piece of software, ChatGPT. Um, but before I introduce any guests, I thought I'd just outline what the show this evening is going to be about. Uh, well, ChatGPT stands for Chat Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. Yeah, it's quite long-winded. Um, we've trained, uh, th- this is from the creators. They say, we've trained a model called ChatGPT, which interacts in a conversational way. The dialogue format makes it possible for ChatGPT to answer follow-up questions, admit its mistakes, challenge incorrect premise, and reject inappropriate requests. It's been trained on billions of words of text from books, articles, and the internet, and it uses this information to generate human-like responses to user queries. At the moment, it's completely free to use while it's in the research phase. It's hosted on a site called OpenAI. Anybody in the world can access it, although right now it seems like it's maxed out in terms of users because when I tried to log on an hour ago, it said it had reached capacity. So it's it's a relatively new program, but it, its impact, particularly on the world of education and teaching, it's already having a massive impact on teachers and students. Um, Teachers have been using it all around the world. And in fact, already, teachers in New York schools have been banned from using chat GPT. Um, That was based on fears that students could use it to cheat. Uh, According to the city's education department, the tool will be forbidden across all devices and networks in New York's public schools. So there has already been a bit of a fear around the education arena and i'll be chatting to my guests about this as the show goes on around how this application could be used by students to plagiarize or to cheat or to copy however to counter that there are obviously ai uh bots that exist that can detect plagiarism so i i mean is this all part of the evolution of education now I was reading a report from Stanford University and Sarah Levine, who's an assistant professor of education at Stanford, she said the following. Teachers are talking about chat GPT as either a dangerous medicine with amazing side effects or an amazing medicine with dangerous side effects. And when it comes to teaching writing, she says she's in the latter camp. So an amazing medicine with dangerous side effects. For teachers, designing instruction just became much easier. ChatGPT is essentially a tool for creating contrasting cases, and most teachers will be delighted that ChatGPT 
is doing a lot of the legwork for them. And that's something we're going to explore in this show. We, we, we've seen teachers already using ChatGPT for lesson planning, using it for assessment and marking, using it for even for CPD, for training themselves and becoming better professionals. Using this application, they've started to use it for that. And even when I personally was exploring it, I could already see the amount of potential for designing prompts for the app that teachers could use. So we're going to explore that as the show goes on. She continues anyway. This is Sarah Levine from Stanford. Teachers are less delighted about the computer doing a lot of legwork for students and students still need to learn to write. But in what way and what kinds of writing? A third side effect of this new medicine is it requires all of us to ask questions and probably make some substantive changes to the overarching goals and methods of our instruction. I think that last sentence is really interesting. Does Is this a game changer for pedagogy? Is this a game changer for teachers planning and delivering content? Is it actually going to completely revolutionise teaching and learning in schools? Um, whichever way you look at that question, uh, my only answer to that really is yes, because this app is only going to get more powerful than what it is now. Um, there are many who five years ago or 10 years ago probably would have. I don't, there is a lot that, of automation. There is a lot that automation is is going to change. That is absolutely obvious, not just in education, in lots of areas. And this is probably just the start. So it's going to be really interesting to explore that further today. And, and it really is, is mind-blowing. I'd like to mention before we get going, a couple of our sponsors for today's show. Uh, the first one, you can see them pinned to the space. We've got two sponsors on today's show. The first one is John Cat Educational. Uh, John Cat is a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines aimed at forward thinking schools in the UK and beyond. And I would highly advise if you're a teacher listening to this and you want to advance your own professional development, visit johncapbookshop.com. Take advantage of the discounts they have on offer on a range of titles at the moment. And they've got some fantastic new releases. And in fact, on Teachers Talk Radio over the next couple of weeks, we've got some shows coming up with those authors. So look out for those at ttradio.org forward slash listen back. And talking of a tool for searching like we are today, if you go to ttradio.org forward slash listen back, you can literally put in the search box there any term, any guest's name, any educational term, and you can find the show that you want and you can listen back to it. No sign up required. Brilliant sort of resource there for any teacher who wants to learn something or know something or explore. And in fact, many of the people, even in the space today, have featured as guests or are hosts on Teacher Talk Radio. So put in their name and, uh, you know, you can find the show. In fact, very recently, I had a show a couple of weeks ago with Daisy Christodoula, who is here. Pop her name in there and you can listen back to that show whenever you like. Uh, same with Joe Dale. I know he's been on a show with Graham Stanley. Um, so you can pop in the name Joe Dale and you can find that show um, featuring Joe. Um, so so anyway, that's that. Um and our second sponsor, and this is really exciting, actually, is something called Plan My Lesson. And you can find Plan My Lesson at Plan My Lesson One. That's the number one on Twitter. And we're going to talk more about this 
later on in the show, but it's a revolutionary new digital assistant for teachers. It can aid with lesson planning particularly. So obviously it's called Plan My Lesson. So later on, we'll have an opportunity to explore that in much more detail and to talk about what it can actually do. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce some of my guests who, and we're going to start digging in to how ChatGPT can be used by teachers and educators around the world. My first guest, and I'm just going to invite you to say hello, first of all, is John. John, do you want to unmute yourself in the bottom left? Hi, Tom, how are you? Hello, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Very well, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on. Can you give me just a 20-second introduction for yourself in terms of who you are, what you do, and why you why I've invited you on this? I will, yes, thank you. Um, well, my name's John. Um, I'm first and foremost a teacher. Uh, I teach computer science at uh, RGS Worcester, but my job title is Director of Innovation, and that's um, that basically means I'm, I sort of oversee the pedagogical and technical uh, digital learning program across all four of the RGS Worcester schools. Superb, superb. We've also got Joel. Uh, Joel, if you want to say hi, exactly the same thing for you. Thank you very much for giving up your time to come on this tonight. 20 seconds, who you are, what you do and why I've invited you on this. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Uh, hello, Tom. Um, so I'm Joel. Uh, I am a teacher in Dormerswell High School in Ealing in Southall. I am a science teacher and I also focus on the house aspect of school uh, in the school. And I also run any of the house competitions and I'm also in charge of any extracurricular activities. Uh, and I feel like the reason why you've invited me on the show is a tweet I posted um, a few days ago yep. went a little bit viral uh, and I ended up with like 200,000 people had seen it. I ended up with a, a, a thousand likes on it. Yeah. Um, and again, just a lot of traction and a lot of conversation started from just some of the ideas that I had about how to use chat GPT. Brilliant. And we're going to hopefully hear all those ideas in detail um, in the show today. That's amazing. Thanks so much for coming on. I don't know how you're still awake, Joel, after everything you've just listed. That's absolutely wonderful. Um, we've also got Ben. Ben, if you want to unmute yourself, say hello, 20 seconds, what you do um, and why you're on the show. Hi, uh, yeah, evening. Yeah, so name is Ben Barker. Um, work at King's Leadership Academy, part of the Great Schools Trust. Um, I was a part of their getting their EdTech Demonstrator School program up and running. And um, similarly, not as not as much traction as Joel, but put a thread out, just some screen recordings of messing with ChatGPT. And um, yeah, just started a few conversations from there. Fantastic. And we've also got finally Sarah. Sarah, 20 seconds, who you are, what you do. And uh, yeah, I asked you to be on the show today um, to talk about ChatGPT. And I think you teach MFL. Do you want to introduce yourself? 20 seconds. Hi, Tom. Yeah, I'm an MFL teacher. Um, currently, I'm teaching full time, but for an online school. So I feel like I've got a bit of a unique uh, angle on this because um, I work completely um, remotely. So um, that's always a bit of a 
topic of, uh, of conversation. Yeah, I teach French and Spanish. I've just I've been doing this for about two and a half years now, and I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Um, other people, I'm sure, during the show will be calling in. And if you want to call in and contribute, feel free to do so. You can click the little icon in the bottom left hand side um, to request to speak. And if you do, uh, we'll try to get around to you. We've got a huge amount of, of things to discuss. Um, also, if you want to tweet during the show, tweet me or tweet any of the speakers, then you can do that. Or you can just tweet and use the hashtag TT Radio. And we on the TT Radio account will retweet all of those and engage with what anyone, any comments anyone has to say. We can also pin those comments into the space. And if you have any questions for the guests or, or anyone else, then we can, we can do that. John, um, I thought I'd start with yourself. Um, I'm just reading a document, actually. I've been reading it this afternoon by someone called the Herft Educator. And the Herft Educator has produced a free document. I tweeted it out earlier which features some of the ways that chat GPT can be used. And they've highlighted high expectations, explicit teaching, effective feedback, use of data to inform practice, assessment, and, and, and more. So I'm going to start by asking you, John, how have you used it and how do you intend to use it? Great question. To be honest with you, in terms of using it, practically at school um the first time I, I did that was today we didn't go back until um today at least the children didn't yeah. go back until today um and i was i used it just to see what would happen with a blog post that i'm writing um uh, talking about paper usage um i spent most of the last week um sort of a, a tidying up the house after christmas but b exploring chat gpt and it's not so much what i've done with it it's, it's the potential of it that excites me the most so as you said um, marking and marking and feedback. I, I put some information in um, about a marking scheme, uh, and then put in a uh, uh, an essay, and then compared the sort of the, the the model feedback that was online compared to the chat bots feedback. It was just as good. Um, I've 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 made some quizzes that I'm going to use this week using things like Kahoot and, and Quizlet etc. Um, what would take me 20, 30 minutes to compile 20 questions takes seconds. You just ask the, the chatbot to do it. Um, and if you want multiple choice, it will do that for you. Uh, we're doing mocks at school at the moment, um, which made me think about exam questions. It does that on any GCSE subject, as many questions as you want, as detailed as you want. And can, I just, can I just pause you there, John? Can you, can, you talk yeah. me through step by step? Because we'll have people listening who, who aren't, either aren't familiar <laughs> with this or have barely used it and have just seen a load of buzz on, on, on Twitter or whatever. Yep. Can you just talk me through, from the point of Googling chat GPT, you, you've talked about doing exam questions and quizzes and whatever, whatever, whatever. Yep. Can you talk me through, step by step, exactly what you've, you've done to produce that content? It's very simple. Once you log in, you use your Google account. Um, on the left-hand side, you've got a number of different options for chats, so you can have multiple chats going on at the same time. Um, the clever thing, well, one of the many clever things about it is that the more you talk, the more the software learns. So I'll give you an example. Um, you simply type in a question. I'm always, I don't know why, but I'm quite polite with it and always say please and thank you. <laughs> uh, I don't think it particularly matters. Um, uh, and then it will generate a response. And I think one of the most interesting things is that I learned very quickly was the better the question, the better the response. And straight away, there's a learning point for pupils there because yeah. they can... They can think about how they how they form and phrase questions, um, and um, the, the the more detail you supply, the the better the response. Um, and it, you know it, it responds in any way you want. So if you want it to respond in 
um, ye old English, it will do so. It can, it can, it, I mean, it can translate. It can speak various different languages, as in, it can write in them. It understands them. Um, it can, it can write plays. It can do all these different things. Like, so, to answer your question, really, you just, just by by interacting and following um, people like Ben and Joel and Sarah on Twitter and seeing the sort of things they were doing. I very quickly learned that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the power of the question that gets the best response. Yeah, because that, that was my experience in using it. When I first used it, and I was just, when I first used it, I was just playing around. I was just, I can't even remember. It was like, I think it was about albums or something. Do you know what I mean? Correct. But basically, you you need to specify as much as you can. So, for example, list me or, or create this uh list of things but then if you put the dates in and if you put like the names of the artists and if you put you know the like you just said the more you put into it the more you'll get out of it and it, also it's interesting what you said about um continuing the conversation seems to then enhance the content that you get as well absolutely um and that's exactly it. i started like you i think i asked it a couple of questions about Cholton athletic and it didn't it didn't respond very well because there's, there was a time limit. Um, I think up till 2020, because I asked it, you know, how are Cholton going to get relegated this season? Um, <laughs> but it didn't know because it only went up to 2020, which again was interesting because I, I, I think you can you can actually manipulate that by using um, a, a Google Chrome add-on, which you can add in more modern uh, website information. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm digressing. Uh, exactly the same as you and as as i learned more about the way it works the, the better the responses i got out of it and it's when you start thinking about the different ways you can use it it really starts to to boggle the mind um and again back to practical application yeah the, the first thing i did today was email all staff um to put on a cpd session about chat C gbt on thursday after school and then asked chat gpt to um, come up with a plan for that session, which it did very, very well. <laughs> Blooming heck. So, give, you know, what, can you read out the plan or, or some of the plan it produced? I mean, what did it tell you to do? Yeah, so um, it's... Uh, let me just... I've got it up here somewhere. Yeah. Um, uh, bear with me, Tom. Yeah, um, don't worry. So I'll give you... What I've got, I've got in front of me now um, is the scene there we go yeah got it so it said here's a script for a presentation on the advantages and disadvantages of chat gpt and secondary education with a focus on how teachers can use it for marketing planning and presentations good morning everyone today we are etc etc and it goes on to um briefly introducing chat gpt um turning to the advantages and it, it spells out all the different advantages and then it goes on to the concerns then it goes on to best practices and it also gives me a very nice conclusion uh, which includes summarising key points, encouraging teachers to carefully consider both advantages and disadvantages, uh, and then um, uh, goes on to sort of, sort of you know, offer some suggestions for what uh, uh, teachers can then go on and do afterwards to uh, to consolidate their understanding. It's it's honestly mad. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just mind blowing, isn't it, when you think about it? But um, with with that, then with that plan, what examples are you going to give to the teachers in terms of how you would like them to use it or how you think they could best use it? I think the first thing I'm going to do, Tom, is show them what pupils can do um, because that's the major concern. It's, it's, it's a bit, you know, when I first saw what it could do, my major concern was getting it blocked immediately on the firewall and yeah. uh, telling everyone to panic. Uh, but then when I started learning from other people that actually 
you know, you can you can even rephrase the conversation about that, which I'll explain in a second. But um, so I'm going to show them how it, how it can write an essay um, and then say you know, some suggestions to avoid people's doing that. Are things like flipping the classroom, um, you know, doing the research at home, perhaps even using chat GPT for that uh, and then writing the essays at, at, at school under you know, exam conditions, if you like. So they can get that essay practice plus the, that exam condition practice, but flip that around. But also. As I said earlier, in terms of talking about what I do, we've, we've got a digital learning program, which means pupils uh, can, can produce films, animation, podcasts, etc. And uh, ChatGPT doesn't do that. So it's a great opportunity, really, for pupils to express their understanding, their, their knowledge, if you like, in, in other ways. Um, and when you think about the future with social media and um, you know, TikTok, etc., and the way these children often share information already, it correlates quite nicely. Um, Anyway, in terms of your question, I'll be also sharing how how teachers can mark um, using it, how they can quiz, um, how they can plan. Uh, you can get it to write letters, which, again, is, 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 is a massive time saver. Assemblies, presentations. Um, and there's also the fact that it writes in all those different formats. So, as I said before, it does it does scripts. Um, it can write plays. It can it can it can write uh, recipes. If you, you know, if you've got an onion and a. A, a, a cabbage and um, two sort of cauliflowers in the cupboard, it, it will tell you what you can do with it. Um, it's honestly incredible. Uh, and another thing I'm, I'm going to share is the fact that there's already work going on um, by people to counterbalance it in terms of the plagiarism concerns. So, for example, there's a, a piece of software in development called GPT-0, yeah. which can actually, as you said before, can tell the difference between the two. So there's lots to explore, and I've, I've penciled in half an hour, but I think it may go on significantly longer than that. And I think, like, I didn't fully understand this when I saw it online, sort of, I think it was yesterday, but a, a very famous sort of clinical psychologist was talking about um, chat GPT and talking about AI and saying that, like, there's a bit of a race towards who can create the most elite AI <laughs> bot. Essentially, there's a... There's a race between companies yep. and there's a race between nation states. And sort of, I didn't fully understand this bit, but um, they were talking about how each individual will need to sort of protect themselves with their own AI against other AIs. And so it, wow. it was, I didn't understand like the full <laughs> sort of, it, it blew my mind a little bit. Like I didn't know what was going on by the end. Um, but one thing I will say is that the, the, this to me it, it's like i i'm trying to think of something in teaching or education that could have as big implications as this because you touched on it there do you think students this term in your school will be aware of this and will try to use it they 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 are we know they are because um one of our teachers was speaking to me about it in um in in late late last term uh, and his his um, son was is in year nine and was aware of it and using it sensibly, but that means that that will have been shared in the in the WhatsApp groups on the Snapchats etc. Um, so there's no doubt at all that the, the kids will be already investigating this and they'll be <laughs> they'll be absolutely loving it. Well, I was going to say because I mean, does it immediately change your homework policy, for example? Does it does um, it, it does it have implications straight away on that? Yeah, it, of course it will. Once we've done that CPD on Thursday with staff, they'll be rethinking how they um, set homework because um, there's despite you know the, the New York State banning it, there's no way they can stop pupils using it on their phone. Well, obviously, um, so 
it, it seems like a, a bit of a silly thing to do. I think we need to embrace the technology. As you yeah. said a second ago, this isn't going anywhere. Um, this is the start of something. The only thing I can think of that's as big as this in, in terms of teaching and learning is probably the internet. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And that's, that, this is in my head. And I'm not one for hyperbole. I, I, no. I, I, I just honestly, the more I, I think about it, it just astonishes me. And um, I, I showed it to SLT today. Um, and I think they were a little bit sceptical at first. Um, but within two to three minutes of demonstrating how well it could mark and write essays, they, they were paying attention. Well, I know Daisy, who's, who's in the space, actually tweeted out a bit, of a bit of a thread earlier about a sort of experiment she carried out with it in terms of it creating an essay and then it marking the essay. Yeah. And, you know, the results are, are really sort of promising. Yes, there's a few weaknesses in there, um, but, you know, it, it did it. And I've seen other teachers doing exactly the same thing. You, you've just mentioned the exam questions thing. Um, I might bring Joel in, actually, at this point, um, because I think Joel has used it a bit as well. Joel, um, I might ask you at this point, how have you used it? How are you going to use it? So originally when I when I came across it, so I joined, there's another program that is made by OpenAI called uh, DALI2, which is the same type of thing, but it makes art. And because I joined that program, it sent me a notification about this one and then instantly from playing around with it and asking it to do stupid stuff. Um, I thought, well, why not just ask it a random thing it can, what can it do? So then I started to do, give me five questions on certain topics. And I went, oh my God, this actually, this actually works. So then I just played around with it a little bit more and I was in the middle of planning a lesson and it just twigged in my head. Why don't I just ask this if it can make a gap fill? Um, and it done it in less than a minute. Um, it's not perfect. And I think that is one thing that we do need to stipulate. It's not perfect. Yeah. It does require a fair amount of, you do need to go over it. It's not going to hit the nail on the head every single time, but it's a good starting point. A lot of the time, you know what you want to make, but you'll sometimes find it difficult to get yourself through the door um, or start starting your gap fill or thinking of five questions. They're all there somewhere, but you just need that, that push at the start. So I asked it to generate five questions um, about a specific topic. You just type in the key stage that you want, what subject you want, um, and every now and again, you'll have to say English or GCSE. Um, again, gap fills is really useful. Um, and a one that I have used is you can ask it to make spelling mistakes and you can ask it to make grammatical mistakes um, and to tell you what they are. And it will give you a piece of text that's filled with grammatical mistakes. And the kids can then go through it to try and find out what the grammatical or spelling mistakes are, uh, to teach them some quick spag in, in literally minutes. Uh, model answers, so for like a waggle or a, a, a model bad answer, a wabble, it can make both of them. Um, it can tell you what the mistakes are. It'll tell you how to correct it. Uh, so you can say, well, what is the right version of this that, you, that you've just made? And it will instantly give a full correction. Um, revision material, uh, materials. I've seen someone uh, posted online that it can make revision timetables. Uh, so you can say, I want pupils to have 30 minutes um, Monday to Friday of 30 minutes of this on this day, 30 minutes of this on this day, and it gives them topic by topic what to revise. Um, one of the most useful ones, and it seemed to be the one that got the most traction on my thread, was old worksheets. So we've all got a, yeah. a bank of old worksheets that everyone, you've just lost all of the extra bits of piece of paper for. Um, they've just been scanned on. But if you haven't got the answers, I just copy and pasted it, um, and it gave me the answer near on straight away. 
Uh, sometimes it's not perfect. It's really good with calculations, though. So if you have got some calculation questions in physics or chemistry and biology, that if it can do them in a second, um, it's a lot quicker than me, which is embarrassing to say. Um, and another one is is learning objectives. If you give it a, a specification um, and chat and talk through it, it will give you a, a full on. These are the things that you need to cover in this lesson. And again, they're not perfect, but it's only about one or two mistakes that it makes and they take seconds to correct. So instead of taking 10, 15 minutes to go through and make a bunch of lesson objectives to try and think of what you want the kids to achieve in that lesson, it will make it for you. And then you just ha and then it, you're done in less than a few minutes. And that's kind of how I've been just trying to use it to minimize workload more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to direct people to your Twitter, Joel, which is Joel120193. That's catchy, Joel. I don't know how you came up with that one. Um, <laughs> but um, just to read through some of the things you did, you've got um, quickly generate five questions with answers. This is this is the, the um, yeah, this is what you prompted it. Quickly yeah. generate five questions with answers by stating the question you would like and the key stage you want it in. And you put it, you put in, give five questions on key stage four specialized cells and put the answers separately. And then obviously what it's done is it's come up with the five questions, which seem very relevant and specific, and it's mm -hmm. come up underneath with the five answers. So straight away in my head, I'm going, flipping out, that's brilliant for a lesson, yeah. isn't it? That's brilliant. All, all these sort of um, retrieval quizzes and, and, and sort of things people are doing from scratch. Like, yes. and, and this is something that has no, uh, you know, if you're using that in class, you don't need to worry about this is about the teacher planning the instruction so they don't need to worry yeah. about at this point plagiarism because ultimately this is about planning lesson they can deliver those questions verbally but it's just giving you that it it, it just makes it easy doesn't it because in the past when i've done that i've been sort of doing it off the top of my head or mm -hmm. i've been sort of writing it on a beer mat you know i'm joking not on a beer mat yeah. you know what i mean like it's been it's been that sort of oh bl blooming f i've got another quiz to plan or another uh you know plenary to sort of think about or whatever it is right and this just the time saving is 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 going to be phenomenal on it you've got another yeah, one it, here use it to create a gap fill quickly and easily yeah uh, and then you've put in here short gap fill on key stage four differences between light microscope and electron microscope with five <laughs> keywords omitted and yeah, then obviously yeah. it's written out the paragraph it's it's actually put the gaps in and then underneath it's put the missing words on it. I mean, it's phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of those. You have to play around with it because it's not, obviously, again, it's not perfect, but uh, it's how you ask the question that matters. So, for example, on the on the question with the generate five questions, it, initially, when you first put that in, it will give you uh, the question and the answer directly underneath. And if you're copy and pasting, it just it creates a little bit of a hassle. So I thought, well, why can't I just ask it to put the answers separately? And it does. Uh, and one of the best things is, it will regenerate the questions. They're, they're brand new every single time. Every single time it generates the question, it's unique. So there's a button underneath that says uh, regenerate an answer. Um, so if you click that, it will give you five more questions. And then I click again, it gives you five more questions. The gap fills the same. It will emit different words. It will use different terminology. You can tap, um, one of the ways uh, I did is I asked, can you make this um, a little bit simpler? So it, took some of the words out and made it a little bit easier and shorter you can ask it to do a number of words so you say a 50 word passage on x and it will generate it 50 words it and you sometimes it, it watching it do it is actually fascinating 
because it seems like it's thinking. And it, you watch it, the little the little cursor mark where it types it out. You can just see it every now and again. It stops and then goes, oh, this is what I want to do. And you can't, I kind of treat it. And it's funny how, how um, before someone mentioned that it's <laughs> saying thank you to it. Sometimes you do feel like you need to say thank you to it and say please <laughs> because it's genuinely doing a lot of work. And it's work that would have took me. It, obviously, it wouldn't have taken me that long, but I can't do it in a minute. So you do feel the need to kind of go, oh, thank you for that. And it does reply going, you're very welcome. What else would you like me to do? And it's like, a, it's like an assistant that everyone wants, but no one actually asked for. I mean, you're a science teacher, Joel. What do yeah. you think? The, I mean, have you thought about the implications on your teaching and learning practice, on the way your students are going to sort of act in the classroom or how your teaching is going to have to change? Have you thought about any of that? So... Looking with, with science, we have, there's a lot of online programs for homework and, and stuff like that. So we use Educate, but then I also know um, Adam Box's Carousel uh, and a lot of other programs as well. Uh, they're really useful because it's difficult for the kids to type the answer in. So, and we can see how long it's taken them to answer the question. So from that perspective, we luckily in science and in other subjects as well, we're luckily are kind of a bit protected with it. Because if we know that they've asked it, and it gives too perfect of an answer or mentions things that are correct but not relevant, then we can kind of figure out that they've used the answer, they've used uh, the program to generate that answer. Uh, and I think it's someone has mentioned it. Ho hopefully, this isn't non-specialists who end up using it. So, for example, PE teachers who are teaching science will they use this program? And I don't necessarily. I, I understand that that's a, a slight concern, but but it does take uh, a subject specialist to know if it's right or wrong. So when the kids are, they're inevitably going to give us essays or, or pieces of work that have used it. And I think we will just be able to tell it again. It's not perfect. We'll be able to know it's got the words in there are too complicated. It's talking at a different level. Uh, yeah. It's gay stuff that isn't relevant that I never taught you. I haven't mentioned it. Why is it yeah. in there? And we'll, it's one of them, as, as a subject specialist, we'll be able to tell whether or not it was made by a programme or it's made from something that they've created themselves. Although they could put in, in the style of a 13-year-old. I do wonder, if, if they said in the style of a 13-year-old, <laughs> is the grammar going to get, how much worse is it going to get? <laughs> well, I think that it would make subtle changes to the way mm. that the text, the, the way the knowledge and the text was formulated to fit with a particular reading age or writing age or whatever. Mm. Um, that would be my worry with that. I think, the, the, but I think I mentioned earlier and John, met, John, I can't remember the name of the program. What was it again? Maybe you can unmute and say it. It was um, uh, Chat Zero. Chat Zero. Yeah, so Chat Zero, which I'm not sure how far in development it is, but essentially it's a plagiarism checker, which has that same sort of AI uh, capability. Yeah, so I, I played around with that, and when I just asked it to generate 150 words on X, and you copy and paste it in, and it's like a likelihood, so it gives you like a 60% probability that this was made by a computer program. So it, what it does is it reverse, essentially reverse engineers the question that you asked it, and see, would the chat program, because it's open anyway, anyone can use it, Will would the chat program have generated it, and what is the likelihood that they would have generated it? And then, uh, so one of the ones that I typed in was like sixty percent likelihood, and then I put one that I wrote in there, and it gave a twenty percent. 
So mm. weirdly, it knows it. The, the program itself knows that it's generating stuff, and I don't know how it does it. Something behind the scenes knows what it's doing. So I think a, a plagiarism checker, as as they come along and as they get more advanced, OpenAI, the organization that uses the main one that everyone's using, is making their own plagiarism checker. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think I think it's one of them. As time moves on, we'll I think we'll just get used to popping it in there just to check and just to make sure. I, I don't want to mention the names of the companies either, but you know, there's a lot of um, sort of edu- uh, companies within the education space who must be quite worried because, mm-hmm. with regards to quizzing, for example, and things like that, the capability of something like this may go beyond um, sort of what 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 certain programs or or organizations can do without using that software i mean obviously those organizations could embed that within what they do but just in the realm of quizzing for example you know how much capability this thing has to do things so quickly without much human input it's it's pretty mad isn't it like marketing and and everything else it's it's unreal um I'll bring just before I bring Ben in, actually, people might want to experiment because I mentioned earlier um, plan my lesson. If at the top of the space, we've pinned about four different um, things in there. But the third one along says plan my lesson. If you click on that, it's at the moment, it's completely free to use. And it's essentially you can go in there and you can input a uh, prompt for a lesson plan. And it's built specifically for education the education arena um you can put in for example uh, lesson plan aged 11 to 13 or 14 to 16 or 14 to 19 or whatever and it will create uh the lesson plan on the back of that and also it can create um an email which gives a full powerpoint presentation on any topic with just a simple instruction and then the powerpoint notes for each slide are also included in the email so that that's I mean, that's another sort of a, that's more education centered and it's more an education example of something that can be used in that domain. But that's really interesting. I tried it yesterday. Really, really interesting and intuitive. Um, and at the moment it's free. So get over there and give it a go. Um, it's yeah, it's cool. Um, ben, I'll bring you in next. I know you've got sort of school leadership experience at various different levels. So I thought I'd ask you first, what do you think the implications are for school leaders or people at leadership level in schools of this? Do you think that there needs to be some sort of briefing on this? Or do you think like it's just one of those things that, that comes and goes like a fad? Yeah, hi, yeah. Well, firstly, just to echo what John and Joe said, I think it's important you say please and thank you, because when this does become self-aware and sentient, you want to be the last person having Arnold Schwarzenegger knocking on the door and <laughs> taking you in. So please and thank you is really important. From a, yeah, from a, my, my last role was um, setting up a, a free school. And when the staff was so reduced, one of the biggest time, drains is the wrong word, but one of the biggest places we invested time was in brute force kind of tasks that took a lot of time, but not really that much creativity, maybe like, you know, writing policies and writing letters and uh, manipulating data and so on. So we've been, 
I've been trying to think of how we could help, you know, admin staff or pastoral teams or um, uh, attendance teams and so on. So that's been one thing that we've been focusing on. Can you on tell really. me a bit more about that? How do you think it can be used by school leaders? How would you use it? I, I saw one actually tweet out about letters to parents, about parents' evenings and stuff like that. Yeah, so in the, I'm looking at the slides I've used on training. If anybody wants these, I'm, I'm happy to share them. But we did. So I'm, I'm just going to read what I typed in. Yeah. Write, a, write a formal letter to a parent about how impressed you are with the quality of Jack's assessment. Make mention of his excellent presentation, attitude to learning throughout, and the gap work he did in the week following the assessment. Now, I think this <clears throat> chat GPT is like, it's like going on holiday. The plane does the majority of the work, but you still have to get to the airport and faff around there. And when you get off at the other end, you have to do the same thing. You need to get the taxi, you need to get to your hotel. And it's the same. This will do the heavy lifting and this will give you a starter for 10. You know, this will save you an hour of writing a template or emails backwards and forwards. But it's really for senior leaders training them, like they've said, the, the gentlemen have said before, training people on how to write the right questions. So um, policies is the biggest one I can think of. That was the biggest time constraint for me um, mm -hmm. last year. But if you go in and type... Um, create me a behavior policy for i use high school because i'm assuming it's yeah. given more american literature uh, write me a behavior policy for a high school and there it, it can give you five thousand words that you don't have to like labor over for two hours and whereas this is what i should be putting in and it it gets you 80 percent of the way so a lot of that um is some of the stuff i'm i'm maybe more familiar with in my current role also i'm really jealous because i'm a nerd but i'm really jealous of people have a really good handle on formulas in google sheets or in excel for example or people who can write programs because i've seen people write their own programs to manipulate data in a certain way or produce certain graphics on you know pupil attainment and so on so i went on yesterday and i i typed in um write me a program in python where i can play snake you know the old game on the mobile phones and in a heartbeat it's written all this code and i'm like that's amazing i couldn't imagine how much it would cost for me to go to a computer programmer tell them exactly what I wanted and then just to give it to me in, you know, five minutes. So it's, I wonder how many ways we can leverage it even more. So like, can we make our own programs that, you know, take mm -hmm. it beyond uh, what we're using it for already? A colleague of mine somehow, I don't even know how, found out a way to use another website. He can scan papers in there. So now he doesn't need to manually put it in the search. He can just take a picture of some numbers on a page. One system is like an optical character recognition and reads it. And then that feeds it into chat GPT and it does something else with it. So it's, it's limitless, really. It's, it's scary. Well, one of the things I, I mentioned this clip I was watching yesterday from this, this um, psychologist, but he, he was saying that um, the most advanced AI bot will take in text, images and actions. So obviously then we move into actually having a, a, a human form um, of this. I mean, are we as far away? Is it as laughable to imagine a robot teacher now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I, I think they've gone. You know, five years ago, it, it, the people would have sort of laughed at that. I, I don't think, and, and people would, the line I've always taken is, and I still take this line, I do, I absolutely do still take this line. Robots and machines cannot replace humans. They can't replace human relationships. They can't replace human interactions. However, there is a lot more they can replace than what I previously thought they could, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the word robot means it comes from like 
forced labor, doesn't it? And it's, um, if you look at the artificial intelligence that's out there now, and people might not realize it is, but you've got things like Siri, you've got Google Maps, face recognition, um, you know, auto um, completing uh, the words you write on your phone, YouTube recommendations. All these things now are just kind of hidden in the background. They just happen all the time. And if they turned off, you'd notice it. And I think this is the same. I think the most important thing that people can do now is just let people just sandbox it and just let them try and find all these weird and wonderful things. We need to kind of collect that somehow. You know, there's probably a hundred people who are gonna hear this tonight and there's gonna be a few million extra people who are messing with it tomorrow. And it's like, how can we somehow capture all those different ideas that they're doing and different ways of using it? And that would be a really interesting problem uh, to ben, solve. Don't underhit the power of teachers talk radio, mate. I mean, a hundred people, are you kidding? This is going to be in the thousands, yeah? I meant thousands, I meant thousands. Come on, come on. My, come... This script I'm reading out now has been generated by ChatGPT, so I'll just, <laughs> I'll tell it to make the numbers bigger. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, the power is incredible, and I can completely understand the reaction of, like, John. Like, John, you said earlier that you you banned it straight away across the network. <laughs> like, that was your immediate reaction. We need to ban this thing, like, quick. Um <laughs> Go on, John. Yeah, no, totally. It's funny, and it's uh, and it's straight. And it's, it, we've actually we kept it banned for pupils at the moment, not because I don't think they should use it, because I think they should. I yeah. think, like with any sort of digital tool, we need to be the gateway for safe and proper usage. Um, but <laughs> I, I think the teachers probably need to get their heads around it first, because they will be quite yeah. rightly worried, because they're they're still at that initial stage we were at three or four weeks ago. Um, and once you sort of see the incredible light at the end of that very short and dark tunnel of fear, um, the the opportunities are endless. And I think um, you know, already I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it now. Playing around with some other ideas I've got from the other speakers today. So yeah. it's just it's just it's mind boggling. The, the the thing that's interesting is that, like you say, banning it is probably wise initially, particularly when you consider that there will be a large bulk of the teaching profession who have still never heard of ChatGPT, um, you know, who, who, who may not be on social media at all. Well, well you know, so they, 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 it, it's going to come, obviously, but it, it could be a bit, you know, it could take months for there to be that sort of real common knowledge. It's still very much in its infancy. And therefore, for the students, if, if a groups or clusters of students know about it, but an entire school staff don't, then there could be issues, couldn't there? Even Absolutely. even on a micro level. Absolutely. My 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 wife works in schools as well, and she was chatting to a deputy head today about it, and they they didn't know what she was talking about. Um, so it's again, despite the the huge reach of teacher, teacher talks radio. Um, <laughs> no, that's we, better, John. I like you. I like you. I like you more than Ben. Actually, that's much better. And like you said, Chat GPT, it's learning this script. It's it's learning. You were polite about TTI. I gave you a more polite response. Um, yeah, exactly. But go on, it's, carry on. Finish I'll, your finish your thing. Well, I was just saying, like it's it's you no, know, we 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 you know, often in in various pockets of education live in little bubbles, and because we're talking about it, we assume everyone else is, um, and it, it isn't the case. So. Um, I think it's our duty, really, to to keep on learning and keep on putting these tweets out and keep on having these conversations and and offer yeah. assistance where and when we can. Yeah, I mean that's really part of, part of why we're doing this show because we sort of recognised that this was going to be a massive thing. <laughs> Huge. Yeah. Um, ben, you've got your hand up. Carry on. No, I was just just adding on to that. I think what we're trying to do with the pupils, um, I've seen it done well uh, elsewhere, just like through Twitter 
is trying again to get them instead of um, obviously there's that safeguarding side, but trying to get them to embrace it and using it instead of, for example, answering questions or, you know, how it can help their homework or whatever, thinking how can they, it was mentioned before, they, it can make revision plans for them. It can give them tips on how to, you know, interleave their revision, how to make revision cards and, and so on. So I've set a challenge for one of my classes. What are the, what are the five best ways that we can use this technology to help us, you know, in preparation for the exams and so on. So I wonder if there's, Again, there's, we have millions of people listening. Do you see what I did there? Got millions of people listening to this. If we would double it even more, if we got pupils involved as well, I wonder how they could maybe make it work for them as well. Well, I am, I am intrigued about the uses of it. And that's why I've brought Sarah on, who I'm going to talk to in just a second. I know Tom's called in. So I wonder, just before we go to Sarah, Tom, did you have something specific you wanted to sort of Good share? evening, Tom. How are you? Not too bad. Oh, very well, thank you. Fantastic to have, what, 108 people in at the moment. We had 125 at one point, uh, but 108 is very oh, good. Man. I just want to, I called in when I heard a point about sort of like accessibility. Um, I put in a text which I was going to give to Year 7, which I thought was a bit clunky and a bit sort of like long-winded. And I asked it to simplify it down so it would be accessible for a 12-year-old. And it did a very good job of it. Um, but I then asked it, I then reprompted to say, can you reproduce this text but include these particular details embedded within the text? And it's very good at that. In terms of accessibility, therefore, I found it very good in terms of adaptive teaching. Um, I, I found it's very good at sort of like giving step-by-step -step processes and breaking things down and scaffolding and things like that. Um, but one thing as a history teacher, which I don't think it's good at yet, and Tom, you're a history teacher as well, so you may have found the same, is giving judgments. Well, giving... well, you yeah. try. Is giving judgments. <laughs> And I gave it, for example, an essay question, which we do at GCSE, and it was very reluctant to get off the fence in terms of weighing up and evaluating different factors and trying to come out in terms of one being most important or most significant or most influential. It was very reluctant to do that unless you really, really prompted it and practically begged it to say, well, which of these do you think is most important? And the reasoning it gave um, was always a bit, generic and flaky so i feel as if that's one thing particularly from a history teaching position where it hasn't quite got it yet in terms of making those judgments in terms of that evaluation in terms of coming down on one side of an argument it likes to sit on the fence quite a bit i think one of the things that i found interesting in the examples i've seen is when someone said right write an essay in the style of the king james bible with a hint of uh, the Harry Potter series of books, right? Or something, or JK Rowling, whatever. And it's managed to do it. It's like, what? And it's literally within five seconds created a four page essay. Now, it's not, I think what John was saying earlier is correct in the sense that it will learn itself the iterations. And as more text and images and human interactions it has, the more elite it's going to become and the quicker it's going to get, which is both scary and also illuminating depending on the way you look at it because it, it, it's going to really supercharge um you know we talk about modeling for example you know okay i want to get a uh if you like a a lower grade example a middle grade example a high grade example and i want to be able to sort of show that on a specific topic you know um, within, within say, history, and I want to be able to quickly get that 
print that, share the three examples with students, get them to sort of compare them, and then uh, create, maybe I could use chat GPT to create questions based on each one. So how would you improve essay A? How would you improve essay B? How would you improve essay C? And obviously each one is is more staggered in terms of difficulty because it's been done for you by this AI bot. And obviously in the past, like 10, 20 years ago, you know, a whole group of publishers would have had to have worked together for months, maybe even years to produce a compendium of examples like that in a big annual, you know. So to me, it's things like that, which are just incredible. And when we talk about data analysis, you know, schools love data, right? So, and, and need to have to use data, they have to. So being able to sort of throw in a load of data into chat GPT and say, look, analyze this for me. And it comes out with so much sort of in-depth analysis. I mean, that's incredible. What we don't know at this point is how much it's going to cost, of course, because at the moment it's free because it's in the research phase. At some point, there will be a charge for this. Well, the thing is, Tom, is that it, because the code that's been used to write it is open access and because it's freely available, you will be able to have monetized versions of it. Now, anybody who's tried to use chat GPT in the last couple of days will have found that at some points it's been impossible to use it because of high demand and today when I tried to use it, it was very slow because of high demand so it may be the case that a monetized paywalled version of it um, which is not available to everybody unless you pay for it would be quicker and more efficient and that free versions may end up you not having the capacity to deal with so many large requests so that's sorry tom i'm just laughing at ben ben you've beaten me and you've beaten twitter and you've beaten ttr by using chat gtp to create an apology for a podcast host so i offended by saying the listener base was smaller than it actually is and the the, the reply was i'm sorry for offending you and your listener base with my comment i understand how that my statement was not accurate and that I should have taken more time to research and verify the information before speaking. Please accept my sincerest apologies for any hurt or frustration I may have caused. I value and, re and respect you and your work, and I'm committed to being more thoughtful and careful in the future. Well, Ben, that sounds incredibly sincere, actually. That sounds really... The hurt and frustration, that sounds really sincere. I mean that. These electronic tears are real. <laughs> um, Joel's got his hand up. Joel? Yeah, I just wanted to go off the back of what um tom's just mentioned in that it, it, it is open it's fully open source so i do yeah. th there will be companies that do put paywalls up and they will they will blockade it just a little bit uh, maybe with little add-ons yeah like a chrome extension or whatever but i do feel that an advertiser model will definitely work for this where a company yeah. will be set up that runs the whole program but it's got adverts. Oh, absolutely! Um, it'll be. It'll and, probably. It'll probably be a bit like Spotify, you know. Where yeah, it will. That's what I do got, think it'll just turn into. Yeah, you've got your free version with ads, and then you've got your sort of premium version. Although I think the way it's developing, it will develop probably so fast that there will be amalgamations of it being developed all the time. Yeah. And therefore, you know, the value in in we're probably going to laugh at this in five in a few years. That this this chat GPT now will be like, do you remember when we used to type? <laughs> do you remember when we used It'll that? It'll be a yeah. chip in our arm. We won't ah. even need to. We, our thought will generate the answer. Not not. We won't have to type anything. It'll be a chip in our arm, and we'll and our brain will think something, and suddenly chat GPT will pop up and say, "Oh hi, you've just thought about this. Here's the answer." Yeah. You know? Honestly, <laughs> to, I'm not to be fair, it will save me 
so much time because every single time I think of something, I go straight to Wikipedia. So it'll save me so much time. <laughs> as long as it's not like a really trashy thought and then it comes up in your house and you're like, oh, yeah. no, I hate my missus today. And it, it you know, flashes up on the wall. But no, I think like there's something like that. We're not that far away from like that. You know, and I do think those amalgamations are going to come about. It's just going to develop so so quickly. I know Sarah's been waiting really patiently, so I'm going to bring Sarah. Sarah, and then I'll bring uh, Mr. Carol Carruthers, sorry, and then we'll go back to Tom after that. Unless Tom has a very quick comment to make because he is waving his hand frantically. I've Tom, do you down, want to I just wanted to ask everybody, are we going to see some sort of changes to the future of assessment in terms of coursework with ChatGPT, given how you know, in some subjects, particularly at GCSE and level two qualifications, it's going to be very easy to use chat GPT to write. OK, well, we'll come back to that in, um, in a bit. Um, Sarah, I want to bring you in on you are a chat GPT obsessive. So I want to <laughs> I want to talk to you about how you've used it and what you think the applications are. Uh, yes, that is accurate. But I have been probably fiddling with it far too much. And I've been highly distractible uh, since I've discovered it. Now, obviously, when I first uh, got wind of this, I was like, oh, lovely. I'm so happy for everybody. That's never going to work for me because it doesn't speak French or it doesn't speak Spanish. Well, how wrong I was. Um, I've been collating um you know all the different kind of ways that I've um been using it so um where I work we um resource pool okay so if you're writing um an entire curriculum or two or three that's obviously quite um labor intensive now for somebody that um has to create um, a lot of reading comprehensions a lot of true or false activities things like that I mean this is incredible. But just going back to what you were saying earlier um, about um, creating texts in the style of, um, one of my colleagues said to me earlier, oh, I've seen that you've put on there that it can kind of uh, mark um, a paragraph or an essay responding specifically to a mark scheme. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So I thought, well, I'll, I'll show her in real time. Um, and I'll snip my screen when I've done it, but I didn't have a text to use. So my first command, I said, write 150 word text in French about the topic of school. The writer is a 15 year old student, use only the present and imperfect tenses. So it did that while I was, you know, filing my nails, having a snap. And then I uploaded the mark scheme. So I chose the linguistic knowledge and accuracy mark scheme um, from the IGCSE. Um, and then it marked it basically and it even um, said you know while there are minor errors in spellings genders and agreements there are also occasional major errors with verbs um, I would give this essay a four for linguistic knowledge I mean it did the whole the whole shebang basically um, and it did that job very very well indeed which made my head fly off my shoulders because I wasn't expecting it to be that good I had tried it with something else and it was I needed to tinker with it a little bit but I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a game changer for sure. Just for anyone listening uh, who or who's just joined us, we are on Teachers Talk Radio. We're talking about chat GPT and how it can be used in the classroom um, and how what the implications of it are. Um, and this show, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, is brought to you by John Cat Educational and Plan My Lesson. And you can find out more information about them in the pinned tweets at the top of the space. Sarah, what I'm interested in, when you say that is are you putting in 
the question and the mark scheme together in one interaction with chat gtp or did you put in the the um the answer first and then put in the mark scheme and said use this mark scheme to mark this answer um i think you can do it that way but today i used the command um right asking it to write the text so it did and then underneath the, my second command was mark the essay based on this mark scheme and then i just copied and pasted it Bam. Yeah. yeah so yeah i mean and, and then presumably you could then like it was interesting what ben was saying earlier or it may have been john it was one of the two who was saying about um how you could technically take a picture of the mark scheme and you know throw it in there and then you wouldn't even have to copy and paste anything literally you take a picture from your phone you pop it in there it it generates the mark it generates the feedback i think one of the things and again um daisy sort of did a, did an experiment I mentioned this earlier she sort of looked at the accuracy of the marking and i think generally speaking pretty successful but you'd have to look at the thread on her twitter for more on that but mm -hmm. sarah what about you did you think it was accurate in what it did in the judgments it was making on the answers was it accurate um for this specifically this specific example i mean yes it was it was pretty good I have been um, trying it with various different things. I have noticed um, some errors. Um, I think they're only going to improve as time goes on, obviously, if people keep giving um, feedback to it as well. Um, things like reading comprehension. Um, I asked it to create a reading comprehension set of questions based on a text, and quite inexplicably, um, it did it all in the um, U form which I hadn't asked it to do. And it was different to any way that it had done it before. So obviously the mistake there was mine in my command. I must have done something that elicited that response from it. Um, I think some of the language, you know, if you want to translate huge chunks of text from French to English or the, or the other way, um, it, it's certainly more accurate than something like Google Translate, which if there are any MFL teachers listening, um, has been the bane of my life consistently since 2009. There is no getting away from it. But in terms of implications for MFL, you know, those who are motivated will cheat or will try to get a shortcut for this. You cannot stop that. We're going to have to teach them to respect it and use it in a way um, that's going to um, help their learning. So, for example, what I did today, now, there would be nothing to stop a student from putting in a piece of writing that they had done and the mark scheme and asking it, you know, how is this? And then perhaps using that feedback, um, you know, if they were just working on their writing, something like that. Or, for example, you know, if you want to flip it, one of my year 11s, perhaps they don't know about um, direct object pronouns. They need some help with that. So they'll go to chat GPT and they'll design themselves an activity that is exactly to their specific specification, to their requirement. Um, and they can practice on their own without having to search through, sift through lots of websites. Oh, I don't know about that activity because the rest of the language is too complex or, you know, something like that. So I think in terms of trying to sort of flip it and rather than, no, we're going to ban this, this is awful, um, we're going to have to get on top of it, I think, actually, and see if we can kind of live 
harmoniously with it. I mean, it's going to be, of course, a bit of a storm in a teacup, I think, for a little while. But um, I remember when my students um, years ago started using Google Translate. And I remember one time this boy very confidently handed me his, um, I think we were doing like a controlled coursework or something like that. And I was like, oh, you've said here in Spanish that you've got a tapeworm. And I just don't think that you meant that. And it was because he'd misspelled something uh, <laughs> in Google Translate. You know, I mean. But like I, was be... saying to, like I was saying to Joel earlier, the difference, I guess, between this is the artificial intelligence element in the sense that you would now, a student would now be able to put in, in the style of a mid-level achieving 13-year-old in the subject yeah. of and, you know, it's going to get so much tougher for teachers to tell the difference. But in saying all that, um, there has always been a possibility to plagiarise. And yeah. it's always been there, whether it be copying and pasting, whether it be um, sort of using Wikipedia, whether it be, I mean, whether it be using uh, adults to help, you know, to cheat or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. And I think the teachers have always had to have an eye for for that and try to sort of be aware of it. It's just that now it's going to go to maybe another level. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, um, you know, we're going to have to try and pivot and adapt and accommodate this because otherwise, you know, it's going to be something that potentially as it gets more powerful, but also I think the plagiarism software is also going to get more powerful. So hopefully, you know, with those two things in tandem, it's going to be uh, more of a help than a hindrance. But, you know, I, I guess um, it would have the capacity in some way to, you know, undermine some assessments, things like that. So I think we're really going to have to think about um, how are we going to be assessing these students who have got this sort of thing at their fingertips? I mean, interestingly, I've just kicked Tom, and apologies to Tom, I've just kicked him out so we can ask anyone else who sort of wants to join as a speaker um, and wants to come in and, and sort of share how they've used it as a teacher, um, uh, th then you can do that. You can just click the little icon in the bottom left and, and join in, contribute your sort of... Um, take on how you've used it with our other guests i'm going to bring in mr carruthers now who is a canadian working in england and a trust lead for geography mr carruthers good evening good evening how are you not too bad and yourself yeah i'm all right thank you um so i've been playing with chat gbt for oh god for about a month now um and i think elements of it are really fatty um, and there's definite things, it, uh, you know, your last speaker said storm in a teacup sort of thing. I think that is it's getting a lot of waves right now. But I imagine like a lot of these fads, there will be a couple takeaways that we can get out of it. Um, a couple things that I've been using ChatGBT for is, well, outside of my academy placement, I'm a Duke of Edinburgh assessor. Um, and a lot of Duke, and Ed Duke of Edinburgh reports are are similar in the sense that they, they follow a similar structure. So what I've actually done is I've fed the the program some what what do good um, Duke of Edinburgh assessor reports look like, and then I've said, okay, I need you to write another report with the name of these five or six students in it with the criteria. So um, you know, Tegan cooked a really excellent meal. Um, Esther was a was an outstanding team leader and so on. And then I've let it go. Um, I had to produce three the other day and and it took me all of 20 minutes to do when each one, because I, I try to make them 
quite detailed and to the point. Um, you, you know, it's huge time savings in that regards. Um, I've also recently started to use it. We in in my trust, we use a booklet-ized curriculum, and and there's been a big focus on misconceptions. So I've fed it some of the misconceptions that I've created for for a unit in the uh, the schemes of work that we've created. And actually, the the machines gave some really good feedback um, as far as misconceptions. So what misconceptions have I potentially missed out on, and my team as well? So rather, it it takes away some of that time where you need to sit around and discuss as a team those, those whole misconception points. And, um, and well, I'm just to- wondering. I mean, I mean, um, I know schools where the sort of the, the the thing has been right all teachers need to create booklets from scratch and it has to be the teachers doing it because that will mean it's their own thing and they understand it and they know it and whatever surely this app really i mean with booklets particularly booklet-ized curriculums so yeah. i mean what it's I've surely, done... it surely you know it makes a massive sea change for that one of the things that I've done for uh, for the latest booklet that we've created is um, is created a new article. I've put a Twitter post on it this evening, actually, as I've created an article um, for for students out there. So something that they need to read. Um, and then I've asked it later on. I've not posted about this bit of it to go and create some some comprehension questions um, about processes. Um, so talking about relief precipitation and so on. Um, and, and it did quite a good job. But I do find um, as, as great as it is at adding lots of information in there, you really need to know what you want out of it and learn how to use the prompts. I don't think it will ever replace sort of that human creativity, but it'll do a lot of the, the sort of tasks that will be sort of just quick jobs very oh, quickly. A- absolutely, but I'm just thinking in terms of booklets in particular because ultimately a lot a lot of a lot of booklets that are created are full of sort of knowledge plus things like fill in the gaps or or retrieval quizzes or whatever. And with just sort of lists and and like formulating content, I'm not sure that you know, I I mean, you could literally booklatize an entire curriculum probably within a couple of hours using ChatGTP. I agree. I mean, the the speed in which it created that article and all the questions around it. And I mean, that article is the the lion's share of a lesson at that point in time. It doesn't take much more beyond that, really, to to add into what would be a complete lesson. Um, and again, with good literacy strategies sort of built into a really, really good vocabulary. And you can ask the machine to, to tailor your writing to somebody with an 11 year old reading age, for example. So it provides instant differentiation as well for people who are who have a wide variety of learners in the room. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Julia's called in. Uh, Julia, how are you today? Hi, good. Thank you. Excellent. Um, um, I, do you want to contribute something on this? Um, yes, please. Um, Go. So, yes, yesterday I talked to a friend of mine who's blind and suddenly it really struck me like how this could really help with accessibility. Because if you have maybe one student in your class who has like a visual impairment, it would be suddenly so easy to, for example, create a picture description. If you've got like a picture on your on your worksheet of, I don't know, a map or of a a science process or something and they can't see it you could just really quickly say okay chat gpt describe i don't know what does a bunsen burner looks look like 
I would just create this text, which you can then feed into a screen reader and share with the students. And I think that's maybe one aspect that not so many people have talked about yet. And just how much it could um, break down a kind of a longer tasks for students who maybe have oh, yeah. processing issues or dyslexia who can't read the whole long text. It makes it so much easier to summarize it maybe add a few multiple choice questions to keep them focused. And yeah, I think that's a whole other area. I mean, in terms of student support in general, it again, mm. it, it, again, it's potentially a game changer. Although it's still, I mean, interestingly though, does, and this is a question for everyone really who's, who's a speaker at the minute, does the fact that you still have to create really good prompts um, mean that, you know, ultimately, the literacy levels, the comprehension levels and all these other things of the students is still going to dictate um, how productive this program can be and how and, and also a student still needs to understand what chat GPT tells them. They yeah. still need to be because otherwise you'll get the situation like what Sarah described where they literally copy paste something and then the teacher asks one simple question about it. What does that mean? And they go, I don't have a clue. Yeah, I, I wasn't really thinking about the students themselves using it. Um, for now, I'm thinking more teachers when they're yeah. preparing their lessons. Yeah, absolutely. And I know they have one student who really struggles with, for example, getting started with a task. Because if I give them a, a longer exam task, they just can't do it. And they feel overwhelmed because they have dyslexia or whatever. Yeah. And I could just feed that task into chat GPT yeah. and say, okay, now give me five sentence beginnings without yeah. the ending that I could use to answer this. And I've tried this out yesterday with a geography question. I mean, I'm a language teacher, but I just tried different different subjects and it, it did work and it gave really good beginnings. And yeah, I mean, for my languages lessons, I said, give me 10 sentences I could use uh, to introduce a pro and contra argument. And I can then feed that to the students. Um, and I think because it's so quick, it could encourage the teachers to to add more differentiation or to actually reach the level of differentiation that we all uh, dream of having or that we're all expected of having, I think. Yeah, Joel's got his hand up. Joel, do you want to throw something in here? It was just when you mentioned then about, um, about what, again, what Sarah said, where this isn't anything new. We've all been there where we've asked a, a, a people to make a, a piece of research or to research something or to make um, like an essay or something. And you get a copy and paste from Wikipedia or something from um, other, other, other exam websites and other uh, websites that make a lot of resources. This isn't, this isn't new. We're, we're used to spotting when the pupils have made them a, a copy and pasted. We are used to seeing it. And we know our pupils anyway. So we're going to know whether or not that they're capable or whether or not that they're able to write something in, in the style that TDP is going to give it in. And I do get that um, where you say you can alter the age or, say, make this simpler or a mid-range. And I don't think pupils are, I don't really think pupils are going to do that. I don't think a pupil yeah. is going to purposely undersell themselves. Yeah. I do think they're still going to try to make the best, the best piece of work. But we're used to when people's give in work to trying to do that automatic spotting of did you get this from this website did you get this from wikipedia and and it's just again this is just another one of them that we just now need to become aware of yeah absolutely um john i was going to ask you uh just quickly 
from if you're still there, just from yeah, a school leadership perspective. Um, do you do you think? I mean, with marking an assessment at the school level, how do you see it impacting that? I mean, have you already started to think? Hang on a minute, you know, we could change the whole thing of what of the way we do it. Yeah, we had, we had a really interesting conversation in, in SLT about this. And as, as I said before, the the, the the first thing we automatically thought of was that that simple of uh, flipping the classroom. So the the essays themselves aren't done outside of school, uh, and the, but but using ChatGPT GPT as as a research tool in itself was was you know is a it's a great tool for teachers and for pupils in that sense. Um, and then you know as as other other speakers have mentioned. It's not always accurate. So then that critical thinking, that ability to analyze and um, cross-reference, which are all skills that, that, that pupils need, can then be utilized. Um, and also, I think it was Joel mentioned, or, or maybe the, the guest who came in, saying that it doesn't always give an opinion, which is actually, it's actually yeah, a useful that was thing. Yeah, that was it was Tom's it, amazing contribution. HD, yeah. he loves it. <laughs> Go on, carry on. It's, tr- it's true, because if, if it doesn't give an opinion, then it means there's still room for that opinion to be formed. Um, and that's almost an advantage because, you know, sometimes when you, when you do research, you, you naturally have to sit on the fence because, um, you know, there's there's equal arguments for and against something. But historically, I mean, I, I, I teach computer science, but I'm actually, my, my degree's in history. So, um, you know, you, you you tend to come up with a, an opinion, or at least, at least a, you know, a, 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 you agree yeah. with some historians and their way of thinking, um, which this doesn't do. So it doesn't replace that. But I think a huge part of what we all need to get our heads around is this, this is the start of the technology, Tom. Yeah, this isn't the end exactly. of it. This is the start of it. And all these things that it doesn't do, yeah. it will do. Yeah. And, and this, that's what I was sort of trying to emphasize right at the beginning is this is literally the very, very beginning of, of the journey towards, well, ro- <laughs> exactly. robots. You know, I mean, we're... I, I can't, you know, or chips in arms or whatever it is, you know, it's just the advancement's going to be like incredible. And it is, I mean, does it scare anyone? I mean, it certainly, there is a part of it that does sort of, it is scary because the world is going to change. I think significantly. The, anything that's unknown is potentially scary. Um, and I think people were scared of the iPad, for example, as a, yeah. as a, as a thing in education. Mm-hmm. Yet the tools are now in place for, for, for it to be used very successfully. It's not everyone's cup of tea. I get that. But when there's a, a, a sensible deployment, it's, it's a great tool to have. This is a whole different kettle of fish. Um, and as you said, there's, there'll be companies vying against each other to bring out the latest this and the latest that. And um, this will stop this and this will override that. Um, and that's what's, I suppose, scary. Not the technology itself, but oh. how we can get the best out of it and avoid pitfalls and traps and um, uh, things that are actually unuseful and f- uh, faddy, as as I think Mr. Carruthers said. Um, no, th- th- in amongst the, the fad of of all this sort of thing, there's there, there is some genuine meaningful usage that we I think need to get our heads around. And that that I mean, I, me more than scares I, me. I think what what um, I think it was Sarah was saying earlier in terms of right. If you imagine on a whole school level that you could you could say right feed in your um, sort of uh, um, answers mark schemes get your marks yeah. get your feedback and then just check them and and use Chat GPT as the central tool to do that it's not I mean it's not unviable is it no it's not, 
No, don't know. I think that's 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 literally there already. As you know, you can copy and paste those mark schemes in. But if I'd imagine what you're going to do in the future is that you'll you'll get a unique system um, customized for your school. Um, you'll feed in all your mark systems at the start of the school year, um, and the work goes in. That doesn't take away from teaching. I think people have already referenced. I think the the beauty of this technology is that it, it does. The, the, the dirty work, if you like. It does those machine-like tasks that teachers have to do. But the one thing about teaching it doesn't do is the human side of it, that human interaction, well, those, this, those relationships. This, um, and, I, and I think that's what it doesn't replace. And that, that makes teaching more appealing, not less appealing. This is a good segue because someone called Matt has called in. Matt says on his bio, chemistry teacher in a sixth form, working on ways to combat artificial intelligence's impact on assessment. Matt, I'm very interested. Ooh in that bio do you want to tell us more uh yeah so obviously i'm in a sixth form i'm working fe and a lot of my stuff is b-tech and i course we're based stuff anyway as it goes along and you're right people mentioning that this stuff's been used before not as ai but people have been using tools to cheat before and get advantages in assessment and things like that it's been very difficult always to combat and to kind of, as teachers, stop using that uh, or st to go against that. It's never been easier for students now. That with ChatGPT and other AI coming, it's going to be a lot easier. But schools and colleges are hooked on this coursework that is being that has a slight amount of advantage for students to use. They can inflate grades, especially within BTEC, you can get really high results using it. ChatGPT is going to show, inflate these grades even more. It's going to create a challenge. If any school decides, no, okay, we're going to change assessment policies, it's going to lead to a massive decrease in grades because there's been a passive use of cheating for ever since coursework's existed that's not being combated in the same way that this is going to need to be because of the accessibility yeah. that students are going to have. How to. do you want it to be combated? I want assessment policies to change. I would stop any sort of work where students can take home to work on. So things like control coursework, switching to presentations, more sort of formative, uh, sorry, summative testing within controlled environments. I don't think we can beat this. I don't think it... The classic way we see coursework where students take away and work on long projects. I think this is going to lead to anybody trying to do it properly will be demotivated by students being able to do it very, very quickly and get higher grades than them without putting in the same amount of effort. What would you, what would you say to the argument of this is part of the fabric? It's sort of here to stay. So therefore, whoever can use the technology the best, chat. GBT or whatever it is, um, whoever can use it the best and adapt to using it the best and has the skills to use it the best by putting in the correct prompts, they can produce the best projects or coursework or whatever it is. And that's sort of life. I mean, what would you say to that argument? I would say that the challenges that are going to come up later in life are best, uh, are not going to be easily developed by relying on AI software and things like that. There are challenges that you just won't be able to use AI software for. Difficult things that you're going to come across that we are trying to prepare our students for as well as we can. And these challenges, these problem solving and things like that, all the things that come in, 
to our assessments, these soft skills that exist. And if you just say, well, actually, we'll incorporate this, you're going to diminish that within your students and they're going to have bigger problems going on. You see that within BTEC students going on to universities. We, uh, there is a passive within across, we've got a real issue in FE with how this kind of race to the bottom with coursework, with what's allowed in order to inflate grades. And then the students go on to university. They've been allowed to get high grades that got them into university. And then they get to a point where they can't use the same things they've used to get through FE, the same kind of lax policies. And they have massive dropout rates and massive failure rates at university. So we're diminishing our, well, we're disadvantaging students if we allow them to use this compared to uh, coursework or assessment strategies that develop better skills within the students. Sorry. I'm, but do you think, I mean, do you think so, Matt, that that's always been the case? There has always been plagiarism, a race to the bottom. There's always been manipulation of coursework. I mean, that's always been there, hasn't it? Yes. And now this is going to, but it's been so kind of passively been accepted that there is this amount of plagiarism and things. And we've kind of, it's something we've become hooked on as it's inflated our grades, schools are getting better results because it's kind of been passed as specifically in BTEC I'm talking about here. And those ones where teachers determine the grades, it's led to a massive inflation. And now no one's going to do anything about this when they should do, because if you do anything about this, it's going to lead to colleges and schools getting massive decreases in their grades. And it's, it has led to students getting worse outcomes when they then go on to university. Yeah, interesting. I mean, does anyone have any comments on this from our other speakers? I'm wondering whether anyone else wants to sort of come in at this point and either challenge or agree with Matt or, or anything like that. Anyone? Ben? John? Sarah? Anyone? No? Yeah, I mean, oh. I, I think I agree with most of what um, was said there um, and looking for alternative forms. I mean, I don't work in FE uh, as such, but I think, uh, I think I mentioned this right at the start, there's that possibility now with, with, with technology to to show your understanding and demonstrate it in, in, in alternative ways to essay writing. But as we keep going back to that point, will, will there be a sort of video version of this very shortly where you just type in what you want a video of or, or a presentation of or something else of, and it just whittles well, together? Well, there is an AI, there, there is an AI site. Um, I'm not going to mention it because it's, it's paid, but it's, um, but it's out there where you can put in a script um, yeah. and there is a person who talks through the script um as a real person you know wow. and um they, they sort of adapt their body language and, and all the rest of it based on the tone of what you write what you input yeah so so i guess this is what i'm saying in terms of okay let, let me put it this way think about and and here's one of my sort of and this is not the views of teachers talk radio this is just like a personal bugbear of um of me but um like the amount of money that is made out of supply in schools by uh individuals organizations whatever right um that there may be uh solutions that can still, uh, you know, have a human element involved, but there, there may be ways to sort of use AI much more effectively 
in the actual classrooms. You know, when you think about things like that, uh, when you think about a situation where, I mean, obviously in, in the future, I'm sure it will be a physical being. It will be a robot in, the, in, the, in 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years time. But even right now, the ability to sort of press play on a scripted lesson by that you have created and then sort of uh, you know facilitate that i mean okay you could argue there's no difference difference between that and just putting on a youtube clip well there is because it'd be tailored by you and it could potentially be a video of you speaking or an ai generated character which is sort of where we're up to technologically but i do find that interesting i do find the changes in working practices within education that this is inevitably going to lead to not maybe tomorrow and not maybe next month, but in the next few years in the next five years, 10 years, 20 years, it's going to be pretty, pretty huge. Um, I'm going to go around everyone just to finish off in a moment and ask, unless anyone else wants to call in, I just want to say to everyone, thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm just going to name a few people to give a, give a shout out. Barry has been here through the whole thing. Christian, uh, John W, John Wolf has been here. Uh, Muller has been here through the whole thing, I think. Uh, Mark, Miss Evans, Mr. Uh, Patching, Kelly, Alex, uh, JB, Dan, uh, Tolu has been here through the whole thing as well. Just, just a quick shout out there and so many others. So thank you very much for giving up some time to listen to Teachers Talk Radio tonight. And I really hope you've enjoyed the discussion so far. Um, just a, just a quick reminder, the show tonight, um, just pinned at the top, you can see our sponsors if you want to check them out. Uh, you've got John Cat Educational. They've got an incredible range of professional development opportunities on the website. Just check it out. Go over there to johncatbookshop.com. Check out the latest titles. See what you can get yourself as a January gift. New term, new start, new CPD. And also you've got Plan My Lesson, who are our special sponsors today. You can go over to Plan My Lesson they use GTP3, and you can use that amalgamation of the software to plan your own lesson. At the moment, you can do it for free. Go over there, go into the lesson generator. They'll send you a PowerPoint with the notes attached via email. And my goodness me, I mean, being able to create actual resources from an AI but as in physical, you know, whether it be PowerPoint slides, whether it be, you know, actual resources that you can use in classes is, 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 another, is another thing as well. So that's incredibly interesting. Um, I know, oh, I think we did have a caller, but I think they've gone. So I'm going to go around everyone in a second, everyone who is still in as a caller, and just ask you what you are most excited about with chat gpt and in general sort of ai engines what you're most excited about what you might use it for this year what you hope to use it for in the future and also what you're most scared of or critical of with it so i'm going to go around each person and by the way if you're sick of hearing from me over on ttradio.org right now if you click listen live tracy has just started her show with Hannah Wilson. So if you want to talk, uh, listen to something about creating diversity in schools, then go over there and listen to that. If you're sick of listening to, to, to my voice for the last 90 minutes, but if not, I'm going to go around each person who's still with us and ask you those two questions. Most excited about and most fearful of John, I'm going to start with you. Thanks Tom. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on as well. Um, 
I think I'm most excited about the reduction in teacher workload that I think um, chat GPT will facilitate. Um, the options are, are huge there. Um, I am concerned about the speed at which the scene is changing and keeping up with it all. Nice. Joel? Uh, so yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Um, well, the the thing I'm the thing I'm most excited about is again echoing what John's just said. It is about reducing massively reduce, reducing teacher workload. Um, and another thing is that just popped into my head is we're currently having an issue now in science where um, pupils are going through and learning mark schemes to pass papers. So then when we're generating mock exams, they're memorising the mark scheme and therefore finding the paper easier and artificially inflating their grades. So maybe this being used for generating exam questions, possibly using exam questions that we can let the kids have never seen before. Um, and I suppose the biggest thing I am scared of is people losing the creativity because they're more likely to just type it up online um, or just copy it and paste it from, or from up, a boss John. that's made or, it before. Or, yeah, or essentially or, just giving up in general. Yeah. If it's easier for someone else to do it, it's that argument from a, a few years back: is why do we need education if you can just if you've got every answer in your pocket? And and also you it's... think to yourself, as as for exa as an example of a novelist, right? If I'm sat there now thinking, right, okay, I'm going to write a seventy thousand word trans uh, transcript and try to get it accepted and try for it to be successful, in my head I'm going, if I complete that and if I do manage to get it accepted, someone's just going to say this was done by AI. <laughs> and you know, how, this, they, this is, how am I going to prove been... that it wasn't for books that are produced after the year 2023 okay if it's been produced in 98 yeah okay we know that was it. but there's going to be that question mark now on a lot of things yes. how much AI has been used little bit like in mu the music industry when you add autotune little bit like that of how much autotune has been used on this track people don't if you think about it that way, people still listen to that music and buzz off it. So, like, there's still value, obviously, in the creativity. But with books, where it's written and it's words, there is more scope for AI to be used. And therefore, there's more scope for creativity to be more difficult. It's going to be interesting to see how creativity can be identified, how genuinely unique high quality stuff can be seen and elevated and stand out because there will always be you know the, the, it, it's going to raise the bar i guess a little bit because i remember i'm not going to mention the book because but i remember the one particular book that's been incredibly successful that everyone at the time said was terribly written right yeah right you probably know which book i'm talking it's like one of the best sellers <laughs> It's like a historical fiction, right? Yeah. And everyone said, this is terribly written. Loads of people said that. But it's the story behind it was really creative and really good and whatever. So can a book like that survive in this new... Oh, should it survive? Will it survive? How will it be received? Will people think, oh, they haven't used AI, so therefore that makes it even better? <laughs> it's yeah, it'll be, it'll be a selling point to the people. Oh, this was produced with no AI. It's, it seems like it'd be a massive selling point for people. This is currently a massive concern for the art for art industry, digital artists, is because you can essentially generate any form of digital art on absolutely anything you want in the style of any, anything you want. You can give it pictures and ask it to make new ones. 
You can ask for paintings in the style of Salvador Dali, and you can make really, really incredible, unique digital art in seconds that looks like it was made by a person and is in the style of someone who's been dead for 50 years. And it, it is, it, it's now like a massive concern in the fact that it, it may have, it has the potential to ruin uh, digital artistry and people who create stuff on online. And I do yeah. think maybe will will that leak into other, especially with this program, will it leak into writing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh yeah, brilliant points, Ben. Um, most excited about, most fearful of. Yeah, I, I'm excited about that thing that I don't know how to use it on, but someone's going to come up within a fortnight. You know, all the new ideas that are coming out as probably millions of more people use it every day. At the top of my Twitter, I've pinned a Google form because I'd I'd love to kind of accumulate and put it all together. Hang on, hang on. I'm just putting into chat GPT now about people plugging stuff on a podcast and how you stop Yeah, it's, it's a Google form. It's That's just fine. replied. Um, stop them talking. Um, talk over them. Um, but I'm going to ignore chat GPT, Ben, because I like your Google form. Go and click on it, everyone. Uh, but most fearful of people interrupting me on... No, um, the people... <laughs> Losing the personal touch, you know, if we're getting a getting a bit of software to send letters and write Christmas cards and apologies and all this other thing, are we going to lose that that personal touch of real meaning behind our words? That's a bit of a bit of a worry. That's it. Yeah. Thanks for having me tonight. Cheers, Ben. Thanks a lot, Sarah. Most excited and most fearful of. Um, <clears throat> think I'm most excited. Um, about the oh sorry that's my team's going off. My colleagues are listening very eagerly. Oh. Um. <laughs> mm. uh, uh, saving the, the workload. I mean, I think there are so many areas where we can use it for really a, a valuable reduction in um, task um, and time saving. Um, most worried that um, people will fear it and have that knee-jerk reaction of absolutely not letting the students use it um, because then, you know, if you don't give them a sense of agency over it, um, they're just going to use it anyway. And if they don't know how to use it properly, um, then I think that's where we're going to start to um, get in a real pickle. Mm, interesting stuff. Thank you, Sarah. Julia, most excited about and most fearful? Um, most excited, like Sarah said earlier, as a language teacher, just being able to generate so many texts that are quite similar to each other. So using the same vocab, but just showing them in different contexts, I think. And also generating text that is kind of normal. Like you can just have a dialogue at a train station that's just straightforward, which you wouldn't normally find online because you would only find weird ones or creative ones, so to speak. Um, most fearful, I think my own moral dilemma, when to use it, how to use it, um, I mean, if I was applying for a job now, which are, I'm not, but if, would I use it for my CV or my my uh, cover letter? And would that be morally acceptable? And if I don't use it, am I going to be beaten by someone else yeah. who is using it? That's exactly what or, I was saying to Joel there about to, yeah, yeah, if if writing to, a novel. You know, yeah, like, oh, novel, should I even exactly. bother starting this? Because I'll be beaten I... by the AI. Yeah, should I write a novel and do I need to put ChatGPT on the title page or is it enough if I just put it yeah. somewhere in the in the credits yeah. or, just, or in the thank you note? Or, yeah. And if you did say used it to edit, people would sort of know that it could have been used a lot more. I don't know. It's really weird and mm. really interesting. Oh, just to let everyone know, if you want to download this as a podcast, it's, well, number one, it's going to be available to listen to on the same link. Um, for the next 30 days via Twitter. However, we will also publish it 
as a podcast via Teacher Talk Radio. Um, so if you listen to podcasts on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any of those um, things, we're on about 12 of them, then just follow Teachers Talk Radio and this show will pop up in the next couple of days um, for you to sort of listen to as a podcast or maybe you want to have listened today but you want to share it with um, other staff or, or people you work with um, for them to have a listen, um, then, then please do. Um, and yeah, if you get a chance to, to leave a review for us, then, then also do that. Um, we value all the reviews we get, like genuinely. So if you want to, if you can do that, then that'd be amazing. Um, Matt, biggest thing you're excited about and biggest fear. I have a feeling your fear it's going to be bigger than excitement based on your profile. I'm really excited by it. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to I think, the comment about, well, what is somebody going to come up with next week? And next week yeah. is just yeah. amazing. Each day you find something yeah. incredible to look at. Uh, most fearful is just the demotivating effect it'll have on students that want to do it properly, mm-hmm. that want mm-hmm. to do it a set way and develop these skills. I think that they're is. going to become really demotivated by students that can get better grades from them in a fraction of the time that's really interesting yeah you're absolutely right and mr carruthers you have the final one of most excited about most fearful i'm most excited about seeing where it's going to be in a year's time um and and how far it's already been developed sort of in the past month we've we've been playing with it and where the creativity of humanity will take it um and i'm most fearful sort of in the unevenness that it's going to be applied and what advantages is it going to give students or or people in areas that are using it and what sort of disadvantages will that create for those that can't access it or don't use it or or ban it in some sort of regards so interesting listen i would like to say a special thanks to john to joel to Sarah, to Julia, to Matt and Mr. Carruthers for all of their contributions and everyone else who's spoken on the show today. Massive thanks to Nathan for administrating behind the Teachers Talk Radio logo is Lesson Coffee. Thank you very much, Nathan. And to Tom HB for his contributions as well on, on the tweeting and on the on the commentary. So TTR team, it's been it's been amazing this evening. And if any of you are interested in hosting, by the way, if you're a teacher. And if you're thinking, do you know what? I fancy having my own show on the biggest audio network for educators, then get in touch with us. Just send, drop us an email, info at ttradio.org, info at ttradio.org, and say, I want to host. That's all you have to write in the subject line, and we will send you the relevant information if you're interested in having a spot on TTR. Um, it'd be great to hear from you. Um, we're over now live on ttradio.org. If you click listen live, there's another show until 10 p.m. when the station closes. All our shows are live. So if you want to listen into that, it's it's on right now. Um, and there's more shows tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. So keep following us. And thanks very much, everyone. And we will see you and hear from you very soon. Goodbye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.